You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. David, what's up, man? How are you doing today? Good, Scott. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. Welcome to the show. Uh, is you know we met probably a month or two ago. Yeah. Um, I was referred to kind of your business through a friend, and um, that's really what I want to talk to uh, talk about today because I know that um, it's a really important topic, and it's something I wish I would have known earlier in my my life. So let's uh, let's dive right in. Let's talk about you. Let's hear your story and. In, and, you know, let's just as a little um, precursor, you're, you're into the banking business, almost like the personal banking business. Don't get right. scared, people. You need to pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. So I, I am in the, uh, the personal banking business, and we'll definitely get into that and what, what that all entails as we go through this, I'm sure. But uh, my quick background, I graduated from the Air Force Academy in 2003, really spent my entire adult life in the military. Uh, I traveled the world flying the A-10 Warthog for the Air Force um, from 2003 till 2014 when I got out um, and uh, had some great experiences, went all over the world, Germany, Korea, you know, Afghanistan, obviously, and uh, several other cool places in, throughout Europe. And, um, but after, uh, after about 11 and a half years, I decided I, I needed to change. My family needed to change. So decided to, uh, to explore corporate America, thinking that that would be a pretty cool place to plant a flag and you know, build a career. Uh, turns out it's not, not for me anyway. <laughs> I did that for two and a half years, ended up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, working for a large medical device company. Uh, worked there for a year. And after a year, I decided I can't do this for the next 30 years of my life. What about it? So uh, what about it? I, I'll tell you, I'll give you a visual. Uh, have you ever worked in corporate America? A little bit, yes. Okay, so I worked on the seventh floor. So it's beautiful campus, you know, glass all the way around, you know, good, good working environment. But every morning I'd get in the elevator, go up to the seventh floor, and everybody around me was staring at their feet. And they were all, they might've been the same age as me, but they looked older than me. Um, and everybody was kind of toting their little laptop on a, like a suitcase, like couldn't even carry it themselves, had to tote it. And it, I was like, this can't, this, this isn't me. This isn't where I can be 30 years from now. Um, I've got, I've got more things I'm interested in and I've got, frankly, um, I've got more potential, God-given potential that, that I need to achieve. And whatever that was, I, I wasn't quite sure, but I knew it wasn't going to be there. So I spent the next year and a half building a business in a real estate investment business. Uh, I figured that would be the quickest way to generate an income to quit my job. And it was, it was good. I, I did a lot of learning, you know, got a coaching group, I got a business partner and we just went after it. So after two and a half years in corporate America, I quit and started um, my business full-time, just running that full-time. We flipped houses and did a lot of uh, wholesaling, flipping contracts here in the Twin Cities. So did that for about two years and we were pretty successful. I think we did 52 deals during that two years that, that we worked together and and then in mid 2018, man, my life just kind of got flipped upside down. So I had um, the biggest personal challenge of my life occurred at that time. And uh, I had to reevaluate where I was in life and what I was doing and why I was doing it. And real estate just wasn't it for me, uh, that business anyway. And I started thinking, I was like, what are, what are, what am I passionate about? I've never really followed that idea. Like follow your passion. I kind of think that's a little woo woo and um, I'm more pragmatic. I'm very pragmatic and realistic. Um, but I started thinking, what am I interested in? And it came down to two things. One was flying because I'd done that for years. So I got back into flying through a commercial airline job. So I, I went to the airlines and did that for a while. And the other thing was infinite banking. 
which is really what we're going to talk about today. That's the that's the common term, the popularized term for it, the infinite banking concept. And it was just it was a financial tool that I had been using since 2010. Uh, it was introduced to me then, and I I started uh, utilizing it then in my in my life, and um, had been kind of really obsessed with it. And I would always seek out people who knew something about it, and we would talk. You know, I could talk for hours about it, and I realized well, shoot, that's, I can talk for hours about that. And I tell people about it all the time. So why not just start another business around that? Uh, because then I can help more people and actually enjoy what I do for a living. So I did that in mid 2018 uh, transition there. So I kind of, my, my whole life transitioned and um, been doing that business ever since. And I, I tell you, it's, it's impacted a lot of people. That's one of the best things is the impact that it, that it has on, it's not like I'm impacting people. It's like this process that I get to teach and educate people about is impacting their lives for generations to come. Right. Yeah. I, I've worked with you. So I have some, I have some questions based on that, but it's a, it's a really interesting um, thing because people have told me about this for years and people that are um, really successful have told me, and when I first connected with you, I remember asking quite a few questions and then coming back and asking more questions. But what I loved about it was that you made it really easy for me to understand. But it really wasn't until I had a 10-hour car ride with a guy who actually introduced me to you, who told me his story about how infinite banking actually took him through a really tough financial period in his life. So I'm really excited for us to share this. What about it like really fires you up? I mean what is so rewarding about doing this? Well, so yeah, that's a good point. I don't think you and I have ever talked about really why um, I started doing this. Uh, for me, it was, you know, I had money in the stock market, but I wasn't, I, I didn't see that being my path to wealth. I knew there had to be something better, something more secure, something that would provide uh, some guarantees in my life. And when I was introduced to this, um, I started putting a lot of money um, towards uh, towards this. And, um, and yeah, like your friend told you, it, it, he, he was able to weather some really tough financial storms in his life. In my case, I didn't have necessarily tough financial storms, but I had several transitions. So I went from the military, right? Uh, Uncle Sam, the security of the, the paycheck on the first and the 15th every month, being taken care of, knowing you know, how much money was coming when to no security at all. And I kind of, I had to make my own way, my own path in life. Uh, so I transitioned there and, and, you know, the money I had saved up helped me weather that transition. Then I started a business, uh, left corporate America, made another transition where, you know, if you leave corporate America, making a, a healthy six figure salary, and then decide to go into business for yourself and, and take out $30,000 in the first year, because you want to grow the business. Yeah, the math doesn't work out that you can continue that same lifestyle, but I had this money in place that helped me do that. And then transition careers again, completely to flying and in, in this, in this business. So um, it, it has definitely helped me do that and then build on everything. So maybe I should explain really, before we get too far into this, what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, for, for somebody who's just coming into this, they, they maybe heard of infinite banking before, um, really what it is, it's a process of controlling the banking function in your own life. So banking is a, is a process and you can really bank through, through any sorts of means and, and I'll expand on that. Um, but the vehicle, you need a vehicle to bank through which to bank, right? So the vehicle that I found to be the most efficient and provides the most benefits for me and my family is specially designed whole life insurance. So these are contracts. You know, I think everybody has heard of whole life insurance and probably um, if you spend a lot of time listening to financial entertainers on the radio or on their TV shows, um, what you'll hear is whole life insurance is a terrible place to put money, uh, buy term and invest the difference, blah, 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 right? Um, and I, I actually believe that too. For a time until I was introduced to a different way to utilize this asset. And it is an asset. And it's for me, it's my foundational asset where it's the first place I want my money to go. Because once my money goes there, uh, it's working for me forever. Yeah. So 
I'd say there's really three principles that, that I'll expand on. Um, the first one is you finance everything you buy. And that's kind of a shock to people. They're like, wait, I don't finance everything I buy. Well, let me ask you, Scott, you and I have been taught to buy cars one of two ways. What are those two ways you could go buy a car? Cash or finance. Cash or finance, right? But cash, when you say it like that, it implies that I'm not financing. Well, let's, let's dive into that a little bit. So you could finance it and that's obvious, right? You're going to go get a loan from a bank and you're going to pay the bank interest right. to use their money, right? That is financing. But when you pay cash, what are you giving up? You're giving liquid, up liquid asset. I mean, you're giving up your, your cash flow at that moment, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and what's, what's the most important thing you're giving up is the ability to earn interest on those dollars for, for the rest of your life. Like if I went to a car, uh, a car dealer and I gave him $30,000, he gave me a car. I've just given away my ability to earn interest on that $30,000 for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you could earn even 5% on that 30 grand for the rest of your life, what would that be in 20, 30, 40 years? Like we could figure that out real easy with a financial calculator. So something people don't realize, but they need to understand is you do finance everything you buy. Even if you pay cash, your cash has value and you should not treat it like it does not have any value. So what infinite banking does is combine those two things. It combines financing and saving where first you save your money inside a specially designed whole life insurance contract that is designed specially to accelerate the cash value growth. And once you have that cash value available, you don't spend it. You never spend it. What you do is you leverage it and create a line of credit with the insurance company and borrow their money to go spend. And even while you're spending that money, uh, and ideally you're, you're spending it to go purchase investments or uh, assets. Um, so you're, you're using that money wisely, just like you would any credit. Um, but even while you're using that line of credit, your cash, the original full amount is still over here inside the policy earning compound interest and dividends every single year forever because you're never actually touching that you're just leveraging it to borrow the insurance company's money that's the power hey before we get started imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments nurturing leads processing payments sending out marketing emails creating content managing your social media accounts and so much more the ace for gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R-gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. And that's really hard to understand. It's very simple but it's hard to understand because it's so outside of the norm. And I want to, I want to like just stop right here yeah, and say these financial entertainers and, you know, somebody's name might rhyme with David uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Babe. Rave, Rave Damsey. Rave Damsey. Yes. And like, look, I listen to him and I know a lot of people that really follow him and like, yeah, that's not awesome. But there's a way to leverage money where you're using cash flow now. And what I finally realized was, why am I putting everything in this air quote secure place that I can't access until I'm a certain age? I'm not like I've never lived my life where I'm planning for 40 years from now and I'm giving everything up. That's kind of how I feel about a lot of those people like give everything up for now. You don't need to live life. You just need to get through it so that you can retire and have this amazing life. Well, guess what? We spent all that time giving it up and not living. And then we don't know how to live when we get there and we're miserable. This is the story I've seen unravel over and over again. And so when I first kind of learned of this infinite banking is from very successful friends and they're leveraging the crap out of it. They're buying Airbnbs. They're buying, you know, like they're just, they're, they're talking to me about this. I'm like, I'm, my mind is blown. And, and then, so I talked to somebody and then I talked to, um, I, you know, when you, when you want to share this with somebody, I talked to somebody I love about, it. I'm like, you really ought to look into this. And her husband said, um, oh, well, it's just, it, it doesn't make sense because the people selling it are making money. 
That was the argument. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. and then I all, that's pretty much um, David Ramsey's. I said his last. Well, name. Ha, has your has your friend talked to his his stockbroker, right, or his mutual fund company well, to ask if they're well, making any that, money? That's right? that's the that's the argument that most of these people are making. Right. Is it's just yeah. money making machine? I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Are you not doing what you're doing for money? Uh, when I buy go buy term life, am I not giving that person uh, an income as well? When I buy car insurance, when I go to the store and make money, that's capitalism. That's how things work. That's how you get things of value. The argument is absolutely asinine. I, yeah. when I really broke everybody's argument down. I'm like, this, th there is no argument. And no. so once I got over that hurdle, then it was just a matter of understanding how it works. And so that's why I'm excited to talk to you. So, yeah, you know, well, it's, it's just such a weird message that these people are putting out there. It is. And it's unfortunate because there's so much marketing behind it, billions of, in, in marketing dollars every single year from financial institutions and banks telling you this, the exact same thing, like invest for the long term, give your money to us. So they operate by a few different rules. One, give your money to us on a regular basis. Two, let us keep it for as long as possible. Three, when you take it back out, take out as little as possible. That's exactly how they operate. Because Who is this they, benefiting? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Who's this, it benefit? Whoever's holding the money is who is benefiting. Um, so let me break. And this can be a very confusing thing. So I think one great example how I can I can compare this is it's it's kind of like a HELOC, a home equity line of credit. So I think most people are very familiar with a mortgage. Mm -hmm. Every month you pay, you make a mortgage payment to the bank, and with that mortgage payment, part of that goes towards principal which creates equity inside the, the house, right? The ownership of the house. And the other part goes towards interest payments to the bank. Now, after you make enough payments, eventually you're going to have enough equity built up that the bank may let you borrow that equity, right? Through a home equity line of credit. So if you have $100,000 of equity in your house and it's worth 300, uh, the bank may let you borrow $80,000. And so you go to the bank, you fill out all the paperwork, whatever, and hopefully they approve you. If it's 2020 all over again, then they don't approve you uh, because they just shut off HELOCs completely because they're scared. So you have no access to that, access to that money. But anyway, the bank agrees, gives you access to that HELOC. You can then take that money and go use it for your investing. Uh, go use it to pay off debt, whatever the case may be. Now, infinite banking has a few distinct differences with this. It works the same where every payment you make, every premium payment you make into your policy creates equity. Now, your equity is going to grow much faster than it would in a house because really the majority of the payment you make shows up as equity in the policy, which is your cash value. Um, but the biggest, you know, one of the differences is you own it. You control that life insurance contract. In the case of a HELOC, the bank owns it. They make the terms and they can call that loan due when they, when they want. Right. Um, the next is your cash value is guaranteed to increase. Whereas with your house, it's not guaranteed to increase. Now, anybody who's our age remembers 2008, mm -hmm. right? And even but anybody who's, who was a child during that time probably remembers their parents talking about it. Well, um, I remember being losing about $125,000 in a mortgage. Oh, house in that. Wow. 2008. So yes. <laughs> yeah. So you're very well versed in what happened. So there's no guarantees that your, your house is going to increase in value and you could very quickly be underwater, mm -hmm. right? But your cash value is contractually guaranteed to increase. Uh, and then third, there's no required repayments when you take a loan from the insurance company. That right there is wildly beneficial to business owners and real estate investors um, and really anybody who say you, you take a, a cash value loan or a loan from the insurance company against your cash value to go buy a car, you're using cash to buy that car. Now you own it and you make your payments back to the insurance company. Well, let's say you lose your job or you take a, a pay cut or something, or a medical bill comes due and you can't make that car payment. The insurance company is not going to come repossess your car. They don't care. And you know why they don't care? because they know you're going to die someday. And when you die, 
they have to pay out a large death benefit to your family or your beneficiary. All they do is say, hey, you never paid us back the $30,000 loan. We're going to take what you owe out of this death benefit. And then the rest goes to your family income tax-free. So that's why you don't, there's no repayment schedule that's required in these policies. Well, I think one of the best ways to, um, what really got me was my friend was, it's like, I got into this and I did this thing and I was, um, and then my income overnight went away. You know, mm. my, my six figure plus income was gone, you know, in a, in a snap of a finger. He said, I literally have lived two years from this. This has saved me for wow. two years. Of my, it's floated me for two years. I was like, oh, like, how did that work? You know, and he, he explained yeah. it to me. And um, that was, and, and he also talked about how he bought his car using it and he bought and he, and he walked through this. I'm like, there are so many benefits. It's it's crazy. There, of course, somebody is making money on the other side. It's insurance, of course. I think we have to come to grips with that. That's how our uh, our economy works. Yeah, but the it upsides is. are so it, you can you can um, manage it in such a way that the upsides are massively beneficial, and you're you're leveraging cash flow. You're leveraging your own. I, it's, it's, it's just hard to kind of wrap my brain around really. Well, the, the thing that you're leveraging really, when you get down to it is your human life value, mm. like your, your production capability as an individual is what you're leveraging. Um, we insure our cars, we insure our homes, we insure wedding rings and computers sometimes and iPhones, but why do people not think about ensuring the most valuable asset that they have, which is their themselves, their ability to produce an income that can buy the car, can buy the home, can buy the iPhone, right? That's your most valuable asset is you and the income you can produce over the course of your life. What life insurance does, permanent life insurance, it insures you for what your human life value is worth in a dollar amount. Like there, you know, I'm sorry to say this and it might offend people, but you do have a, a dollar amount attached to your name. Scott Ramage, you are worth this much money. Absolutely. And what that is, is a multiple of how much you make today, multiplied by a certain number of years, 25 or 30 years, depending on your age. That is how much an insurance company will insure you for. Because if you die tomorrow, you would have made that much money and that money will indemnify you. That death benefit will indemnify your family for what they're losing out on. Right. So your most valuable asset is you. Why would you not want to insure that as much as possible and then insure it in such a way that um, it does in the long term, it's going to benefit you and your family incredibly because you will hit a break even point where at some point in your policy and it's not that far down the road, every dollar you put in has created an equivalent dollar of cash value. And then from then on, you have more cash value available than you've ever paid in over the course of your lifetime. Yeah. One thing that I really, like when I really looked at it, term life, I have these term life insurance policies. I've had them for years. And then I was looking at them like, wow, one of them's done in five years. At that point, if I don't die now, great. It's great. I feel wonderful that my wife will get X amount of dollars if I pass away between now and five, five yeah. years. I think the other one has a little longer on that, but that it, there's a term and, and beyond those, there's nothing for my family outside of other assets that I have with the whole life. What I realize is it doesn't matter if I live till 106, that thing has still got a death, death value on it. Absolutely. And, and that, that death benefit will, it'll rise every single year. Yeah. Um, so you may start with a policy that's worth half a million dollars today you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now, when you, when you graduate, that could be worth two, 3 million in death benefit for your family. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a powerful tool. And again, it's not the end all be all. I call this my foundation. I mean, this is, this is the foundation upon which everything else in my financial life is built. I want to put as much of my income into these policies as possible. And I've got policies on me, on all three of my kids. I've got multiple on myself um, because I understand the value 
and the asset that that's creating. And then, you know, when I retire, if I want to start taking a tax-free income from my cash value, I absolutely can. So it really comes down to the second principle that, you know, your friend was saying he was able to live on that money for two years. Uh, the second principle I like to talk about is your money has to reside somewhere. If your friend wasn't putting his money inside that contract, that whole life insurance policy, where would he have been putting that money? Somewhere, right? So your money has to reside somewhere. So why not find the most efficient, beneficial place for that money to reside that, uh, and, and put it there? So I don't keep any money in a bank that I don't need to pay my bills with. That's, that's just me. I was just going to say, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but if you look and see how money, how money is managed by a bank after you put it in, it's not in a bank. They're not, they're not good with 1%. They have their whole system and it lives outside of them. This, and, and there's big strings being pulled to keep money in banks, which oh, for sure. is not a very good resource for us. People call it secured. Well, it's, I mean, you can go back to the Bible and actually look at it and look at the, you know, the guy that just buried his money. And then the, right. the owner came and said, like, you haven't been a good steward of what I gave you. And it, it, whether you believe in the Bible or not, it's an amazing parable. And it, it is, it's like putting your your money underground. It's like, I'm just going to bury it here until mm -hmm. I need it. Well, it's not gained. It's been nothing to you. It's, it's valueless when it's, when it's put away like that. And that's pretty much what a bank is. This really came to light yeah. when you read the book Sacred Cows, which talks yeah, that's a lot great about one. what about what you're talking about, yeah. and also the, your your value, your human value. Like that really struck. Like I'm like, oh, yeah. There, there's a lot, and and I think everybody should really do some math about around not like their like you said your value, your your life value, or whatever you you, you called it, but more around like what is your what is your hourly rate? What is yeah. the you know what is the value of your hour? You should do some major math around that, and then look at some of these tools and see how those increase or help or maintain where you're at, and also put in some um, careful careful things in place in case something goes wrong. You have Plan B. Absolutely, you know the Plan B. Uh, for me, it's plan A, because I know, I know for certainty that something's going to go wrong at some point. Yeah. Right. Um, if, if you live through life without a major tragedy, then you probably haven't lived much of a life to begin with, but something's going to go wrong. I need access to capital. Our access to capital is far more important than a death benefit. Death benefit's great, but if I don't have access to capital today to do, to finance my life, um, I'm going to be in a serious hurt locker because I'm going to have to borrow money at high interest rates and never take over that banking function. You said you're talking about putting money in a bank. Dollars are doing work every single day. Who are they doing work for? You or somebody else? I want all of my dollars doing work for me. That's why I don't want to put it in a bank because the bank is making money off of my money. I'm making nothing. Right. They have the ability to pay me 5% per year on my savings there. They don't, though, because they don't have to. Right. They're making tons of money. They're, they're in the business of reselling money over and over and over. And that's, I mean, that's really the business I'm into is velocity of money, is putting my money somewhere where I can give it two jobs instead of just one, or maybe three jobs instead of just one, all at the same time. So, and the security, I mean, everything you say, it's, it just brings up, you know, I could go off on the banks, um, but the FDIC, right? Oh, my money is secured by FDIC. Do you know how much money the FDIC has in their coffers? They have enough to cover less than 1% of all deposits in America. So if something goes wrong, we're, we're all screwed. If there's a bank run, if only 10% of people go to the bank to withdraw their money, you, they, you probably won't get your money back. Mm -hmm. And uh, if nobody's heard, everybody's heard of a bailout. If you've never heard of the term bail in, well, that's that's uh, the, the Dodd-Frank Act rewrote the rules after 2008 and decided the next time the banks fail, they're actually going to keep the money that's on deposit. They're going to use that to resuscitate the banks. You're not going to get your money back. You're going to get a share of the bank. Basically a pledge say, here, you have 200 shares of this bank. Great if it survives, but they're going to use your money and keep your money. Yeah. It is, but this, you know, this is something people don't know, which is why I love to educate people and 
open people's eyes, you know, peek behind the curtain. Cause once you see that, it's like taking the red pill, you can't unsee it yeah. again. So I'd rather know the truth. I'd, I'd, I'd rather hear uncomfortable truths than, than believe um, comfortable lies, like inconvenient truths over comfortable lies. But too many people want to be lied to and they're okay and, with it. And then that's a real, that's, there's so much truth in that. There's people, there's too much comfort in thinking, you know, what you know, and not thinking outside the box. And that's one thing I wanted to say is <clears throat> if, if you listener have never driven down this road or pursued this and you start to, and maybe you have a conversation with David or another person and you get really excited about it. The second you take it back to your uncle Joe or your dad who hasn't been using this, this sits outside of their comfort level because they don't know about it. Right. You are going to get the, I'm concerned that's a scam. Don't do it. I'm going to, I'm telling you right now, go find people who are actually doing it and use the term infinite banking. Just uh, somebody made a post the other day. He's like, if you haven't heard of infinite banking, we need to talk. Yeah. And like, it just blew up. It blew up. I'm like, and people are like, I'm interested in this. Now, if he would have said, if you haven't heard of a whole life policy and need to, and <laughs> how to leverage that, yeah, that feed would have blew up except for it would have been just yeah, damnation. The other way around. Right. Yeah. And um, so I'm just telling people right now, you have to check this out, but then find people who are aware of what infinite banking is and ask them about your experience because that's what I've done. I've asked people who make a lot more money than me, the same amount of money me and less money than me. And I've mm -hmm. asked them, how has this worked for you? And they all have different ways they leveraged it. Some are leveraging it to buy properties. Some are leveraging it for the bad rainy day. It was designed to buy properties and it turned up into a rainy day. Yeah. Some are like leveraging it. Like my business partner says, we need to get one on each other to leverage. So that when, if the business goes something. Yeah, buy, sell agreement, key person. Right. right. Exactly. And so you need to really spend some time doing that. Talk to David, then follow, you know, or talk to other people, then go talk to David. So it's kind of nailed down because you will find naysayers. Like most things, people get uncomfortable on things they don't know. Mm -hmm. The government, unfortunately, not a conspiracy theorist, but the government has pushed everybody into banks for a very specific reason. The banks have a very specific reason they're keeping you, and it's because they're making massive dollars on you. And massive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's one family that controls the majority of banks in the entire world. So if you really want to read a scary book, read The Creature from Jekyll Island. Mm. Um, man, that's scary. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah, you might regret reading it, but um, it's the, the truth is scary. Mm -hmm. It really is. But I don't want to scare everybody um, to the point that, oh, banks are evil. Like we need banks to, to function, right? Yeah, absolutely. They, they serve a purpose. Uh, but I don't want them to, I don't want to put any more reliance on them than I, than is absolutely necessary. Right. And, and frankly, life insurance companies are way safer and more secure than banks. Uh, in 2008, I think something like um, over that, that great recession, something like 500 banks failed, 19 life insurance companies failed. And the, the policy owners didn't fail because those insurance companies got bought up, their books, their assets and liabilities got bought up by a bigger company. Right. Uh, but they're heavily, heavily regulated at the state level. Uh, they have to have reserves. Uh, they can't do fractional reserve banking like our commercial banks are allowed to do, create money out of thin air. Um, so there's, uh, I mean, the benefits are, are numerous. Um, and the greatest benefit brings me to principle number three is when you have capital, opportunity will find you. And that's something that preached by Nelson Nash, who's the godfather of infinite banking. He wrote Becoming Your Own Banker back in 2000. Um, great man. Uh, he retired from this earth a couple of years ago, but just impacted so many lives and continues to. But he states that in the book. And when the first time I read it, I was like, okay, sure. It didn't really hit me. It's kind of like, you know, again, back to the Bible, you read a verse. One, one day it doesn't really hit you, but then you you're going through something a year later and you read the same one. You're like, Whoa. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Like if you have capital opportunity will find you. And when people know you're well capitalized, they will come to you for money. I mean, we funded uh, a buddy of mine. In fact, we, we rounded up four of us that helped fund uh, a new business for a guy in Utah who wanted to start a dump truck business. Uh, of course we did a lot of 
due diligence and took a collateral and and took really took all the steps necessary to secure our investment. But he he makes four hundred thousand a year in his W two job, but the bank wouldn't loan him money to go buy a dump truck. That's crazy. So he he heard about us. He came to us. And we were able to round up enough money for him to go buy a brand new dump truck. And I mean, he's killing it and he's paying us really good money to borrow our money and he's happy about it. And so are we, it's great. Yeah. That opportunity thing is I've, I've heard that over and over and over again. And, um, you, you know, you have to do your due diligence. It's definitely, but right. I mean, there's been opportunities already that I've had to pass up and it's, it sucks because I didn't Mm -hmm. have this system in place. I didn't have, the leverage in place. Another, another thing is is the bigger loans as a self-employed person are real banks are weird about, like, I remember having a conversation with bank about four years ago and they're like, well, since you've worked for yourself, like eight years, yeah, (laughs) you know, um, above six figure income history, they're like, it's just not secure. Yeah. what? Right. They're like, you, you, if you had a job, we'd know it's more secure. I'm like, no. Yeah. You could <laughs> go get a job tomorrow with no experience and the bank would be like, oh, cool. You have a job. Yeah. Because it's, a, it's weird. Yeah. So if you're self-employed or you're, you're, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you have to play the game completely differently. Yeah, that's true. It's true. I found that out the hard way myself. You know, when I went fully self-employed, I was like, wow, I was trying to get a first position HELOC on my house. And it was all set to go. And they're like, wait a minute, you don't have a W-2. Sorry. Because yeah. who do banks want to lend money to? They only want to lend money to people who don't need it. Frankly, if you need money, good luck getting it from a bank. Hmm. Right? I mean, they they don't care as much about the asset that's the collateral that's backing that loan. They're underwriting you based on, can you make this payment? Can you make the monthly payment back to us? Mm-hmm. Um, why they don't look more in depth at, um, yeah, self-employed income. I mean, if you can make six figures as a self-employed person, you're, you're a pretty productive member of society and you're probably going to do okay. Right. <laughs> it's just, this is such a funny equation to me that, yeah. uh, it, and it, it actually was extremely frustrating. And, you know, you have these conversations on the phone with these loan people and they're like, well, I don't understand, but that's just the way it is. I'm like, yeah, you're talking to a peon who's just a, a, a bookkeeper or a pencil pusher at a bank, right? Even though they have the, their title is vice president. Have you ever <laughs> noticed you go to a bank, every single person's a vice president? I have noticed that. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's, your, it's your quick trick, your quick uh, way to success. You can become a VP in a company. Just You can, right? man. And then people Work hear VP. Yeah, they're like, oh, you must know something. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I never made that connection, but you're right. Like everywhere is every card and every plaque says VP. Yep. Now everyone's going to see that. It's going to be awesome. And that might yeah. give you a little insight into how banking is, the traditional banking is really kind of run. It's, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there, there's, a, there's another way to do it. So yeah. this is why this concept is really catching on like wildfire is that families are realizing, hey, we can completely secede from the banking system over a, a course of years. Like you got to be in it for the long term. You got to have that long term mentality and generational mentality. But man, by the time I get to the point, maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now, my kids, when they want to go buy a house, they're not going to go mortgage with the bank. They're going to come to daddy Warbucks and say, hey, dad, can, can I borrow some money from the family bank? And of course, there's going to be stipulations in place. Um, but yeah, there's certainly a way to set that up and, and perpetuate that cycle so that your family never runs out of money. Like that book you read, Killing Sacred Cows, he wrote another one calling, it used to be called What Would the Rockefellers Do? Now it's called What Would Billionaires Do? And it's all about every person has one of these policies in their life and the beneficiary is the family trust. So every time somebody dies, that death benefit goes to the family trust. And now that family will never run out of money and they can finance everything for the entire family, college education, houses, businesses, whatever. It's, uh, it's ingenious. And I can only wish, uh, I only wish my grandfather would have done this for my dad who would have done it for me. Yeah. But I'm going to start the cycle now. The other thing that I was really impressed with was the, was the fact that you start you start this system 
and it's pretty quick that you can start borrowing against it. It's actually a really fast turnaround. Yeah, it's not like a typical whole life policy if anybody's had one. And I've had a, a, a normal one back when I was in my early 20s um, where there's zero cash value for the first three or four years. And then it builds very, very, very slowly. These are designed, I mean, I've had, I, I work with a lot of real estate investors and real estate investors are cash rich or cash poor. They're either flush, it's sitting in the bank, they got 100,000 in the bank ready for the next deal or they got nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we took everything he had in the bank, put it into a policy. And a couple of weeks later, he was able to access the majority of that to go fund his rehabs. Um, now you have to give up. You're not going to have hundred percent liquidity in the first few years. Right. So it's kind of think of it like that money that you don't have is in an escrow account. That's going to be released over time to you, but you'll eventually get it back, but you got to put up, it's like starting a business. You got to put up with a little bit of time of not turning a profit, so to speak. Right. Um, and then it's self-sufficient and, and you're, you'll never regret doing it. If you didn't have to put in the time, it'd be too good to be true. And then, then we'd have a problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely work involved. One, I think you already mentioned it is you got to get educated. You got to, you got to take, it's called becoming your own banker. Like I'm never going to handle your money and I'm not going to spoon feed you. If you come to me and you don't know the first thing about it, I'm not going to write a policy on you. I'm going to say, you need to read this book. Or maybe read a couple books, listen to these podcasts, uh, and then come back and let's have a discussion to make sure you understand what you're doing before you start. Well, and on all honesty, I, when I first called you, you gave me all these resources and it, it, it was not, hey, I'm not going to tell you what you need to know. I want you to understand all of these things. So you come in this with the knowledge that you need to have. And I think that's a really, obviously a great business model. Um, and so you run, a, you have a podcast or you've started a podcast, correct? Around, around these things. I have the first, I don't know when this is going to air, but it will be starting in February of 2022. This is 2022, right? Yes, it is. Um, yeah. So Valentine's day, 2022 coming your way called uh, wealth warehouse, me and uh, another, a fellow infinite banking practitioner, uh, Paul Fougere are going to be co-hosting this podcast. And it's really going to be about you know, the first few episodes, of course, will be what is infinite banking and, and the principles and all that. But we're really going to expand on um, how this one strategy, once implemented, creates so many opportunities for you and putting your money to work in multiple places at the same time, the velocity of money. We'll talk about private lending. We'll talk about where else to get guarantees on your money outside of life insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and believe it or not, or not, there are places that you can get good returns without any risk of losing your money. Uh, so that's one of those things that we like to, to show people and, um, you know, and building cast uh, passive income for yourself with that There's money. A, I want to ask you this question. You may, I may be throwing you way off, but I was talking to a buddy of mine who's in traditional finance mm-hmm. and he's like, my client, you know, he's, he said, we've, we've increased his portfolio $5 million this year. Well, his portfolio is massive, right? And he said, um, he said, but he started his own banking system through creating a health insurance, like a privatized health insurance company. Is that something? Well, like an HSA? I don't know. Health savings account? Um, It it, it costs him, I think about $50,000 in lawyers a year to run this, but he borrows, he puts money into it and he borrows money from it. And I was like, well, this sounds a whole lot like whole life, but you're funding the whole thing yourself. It sounds very interesting, but it's, it's a tax. There's some tax game he's playing, but I mean, it, it might be a reinsurance company he set up, which is called 831 B is the oh, tax code. And I've worked with clients to do that, where you can funnel your, your business income. You, you put your income into this reinsurance company. And once it's seasoned there for a year, you can actually take that income out at capital gains rates instead of, because when you put it over there, you get the tax deduction in the first, in that year. And when you take it out a year later, it comes out as capital gains instead of uh, personal income rates. Yeah. So it's, it's something that's caught on quite a bit. Um, you got to be very careful on who you work with on that. There's some good companies and there's some bad because the IRS looks very closely at that. Right. Which, which is good because if you work with solid companies, you know they've been scrutinized to the nth degree, and it's a great it's a great tax reduction 
it's really a risk reduction tool with tax savings implications. So it reduces the risk in your business. Probably somebody with a, a higher higher revenue type business. I mean, this guy's millions and you know millions a year, millions and millions a year. Yeah, probably yeah. you know gross revenue. I, for, I forget what the numbers are, but maybe a million dollars of gross revenue mm-hmm. uh, in your business and above, you could absolutely save a lot of money uh, on taxes by implementing something like that. So yeah, 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 outside of my knowledge. But what I like is I'm like, yeah, that sounds super confusing and not you know, but here we got this infinite banking thing and it's basically the same option, but it brings the, it brings the input in at a little more reasonable cost. But that's a question I want that I really had and, and struggled with was this, you put money in and then there's a certain amount you got to put in every year. And my big fear, which is a, which is stupid was what if I can't afford it next year, which is Mm -hmm. a sure way to not be able to, but uh, (laughs) uh, I'm sure you get that, that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely one of the biggest, um, one of the most obvious questions to ask. Like if somebody says, well, I can put in 20,000, I feel confident about putting in 20,000 a year. Uh, But what happens if year three, year four? Um, Well, I can tell you from personal experience, by year three or four, you're going to want to make sure that that's the first place your dollars go before you ever spend them. Because by that point, you know, year four or five and beyond, your policy is so efficient that typically every dollar you put in, you, you're creating more than $1 available in cash value that you can then borrow against. So, um, and if you put enough in upfront, you'll have some to borrow against to pay the premium if you have to. I've done that. I've yeah. done that before. It buys me time. I borrow against my cash value. I pay my premium. And then I spend the next year paying that back, paying that loan I took back as money, because as a self-employed, you know, a business owner, entrepreneur, your income is, is like a roller coaster. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, whenever I have more money in my bank account than I need to pay my bills, I'm paying back a, a, a loan to the insurance company. And as soon as I pay back a dollar against my loan, it becomes a dollar I can borrow against right away. Yeah. So, it's yeah. Infinite. So what's that? It's infinite. It's infinite. It's infinite. Not, the real, the infinite part is like all the ideas you have, once you start using it is like, oh my gosh, because I have capital available, I could do this. I could, you know, if I'm renting a house, I could pay the full year's rent up front and get a one month discount perhaps from my landlord. And Mm. I just made maybe a 10% return on my money. And then you just make the same rent payment back against your loan every month. So it's, I mean, just that's creative. <laughs> yeah, it is right. But it's yeah. not something you would think about until you're in that situation. And you have the, you're never going to think about that unless you have the capital available to be able to utilize for something like that. Right. Right. Like the, without capital available, your, your mind is so much smaller because you're not even looking for opportunities because there's nothing you can do with them. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's, I love just even that little example, like, starts to expand my mind. And I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited about other people learning about it. I know some people know about it, but specifically entrepreneurs, small business owners, you know, self-employed, I think it's probably one of, it's probably a fast growing thing that people are noticing, but it needs to grow. More people should know about it because it's so powerful. Yeah. And again, I'll vouch. I've heard stories over and over again. Um, and like my most successful people, the most successful people in my circle are leveraging this. And that's really? something cool. to me. So it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. And you don't have to be quote unquote successful before you start, you know, you start where you're at. I mean, I was making, I was making less than a hundred grand a year when I started. Mm-hmm. And then as I, my income increased, I just add on another policy. My money has to reside somewhere. So if I got more than I need to cover my bills, I want to put it into one of these policies to let it work for me forever. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, David, where, where can people find you? How can they find out more about you? Cause I want them coming to you because you've been amazing for me. So I don't want, I'm going to be straight up. I want them to come reach out to you. Well, I appreciate it. And, and I do, I like what you said about making sure you go to talk to people who are utilizing this. Um, I would say about 95% of real of life insurance agents don't understand how to utilize infinite banking. No. Um, and if somebody might, one of my first questions would be, do you know what infinite banking is? Can you design 
infinite banking style policies. And then are you doing it yourself in your own life? If they say no, forget it. I'm not touching that person. Right. Um, find somebody who's doing it, who's, who's walking the talk, um, because otherwise it's just another product that they're trying to hawk. Um, yeah, for me and, and my business partner, Paul, man, we, uh, we've been utilizing this heavily for a long time for all sorts of reasons. So that's great. Thanks for that, uh, throwing that out there. You got to talk to somebody who knows what they're doing, because there's also some other implications that you could really screw this up um, and make it a, a taxable you know, an issue with taxes if you don't design it correctly. Mm. Um, so you don't want to mess that up. But people can find me, um, Dave at maxperformancefinancial.com is my email uh, website by the same name, Max Performance Financial. Um, I got a YouTube video that it's climbing up there in views. It's funny. It's like, you know, starting to hit that hockey stick approach that they have commercials on it. I'm just wondering when I'm going to start getting paid on it. A couple but, next year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's passive income. Maybe, um, as long as I don't break any of their community standards, but, uh, they can find me on YouTube. Just Google my name and you'll find some videos on there that explain this, um, in pictures. So people like pictures. I, I, I like to draw stuff out and explain it. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pretty much do most of my social media on LinkedIn. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't mess around with too much else, but, and then that podcast we have coming out. So we'll be doing dropping weekly episodes every Monday, I believe awesome. uh, wealth warehouse. So very fine cool. there. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thanks. I really appreciate your time and your knowledge and then the help you've given me personally. So I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this wealth of knowledge people. Yeah, my pleasure, Scott. Thanks for, uh, thanks for putting me on and, and putting the word out to, to the network. So more people need to hear about it. Of course they do. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for uh, hearing this out. I think it's going to be a life changer for you. It'll be a game changer for you, your business, your opportunities, as David said, will open up when you do something to this nature and you have some cash available to put into things or capital available to put into things. If you like this podcast, make sure you do the thing and go uh, give it a rating, uh, give it a review. If you're, if you're uh, really wanting to help me or anybody who's on this, go give it a review so people actually um, are pointed in the direction that really helps. Uh, have a wonderful day. See. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.